Welcome to Dig It. This is The Speaker. I'm here with my co-host, Sharp Edge and Corrie of Corey's Digs. How are you girls doing? Hey, doing good. I am, I am a tornado today. I'm ready to rock and roll. <laughs> uh, you, <laughs> How are you doing? You, You're stuck out there in all the fires. How are you doing? Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy out here at the moment. So I haven't really prepared for this a lot, so I'm going to ramble a bit. Um, which is understandable, but it has last week's been pretty crazy, especially around my area. But that's kind of subsided a bit. But there's still a lot of fires going around New South Wales, uh, Queensland, Kangaroo Island's pretty bad. Um, I've seen just, lots of footage. It's just devastating. Yeah, it's um, it's fire season in Australia. Yeah, here's the thing: because a lot of things have been pissing me off, especially these altruistic left Democrats from America, which was really pissing me off actually. Which they have to put climate change on the end end of everything and there's probably a good chance i'm going to swear in this rambling because i'm pretty pissed off so that's just like a kind of just a warning prior to what i get into it but um people like hillary clinton and Luis milano they don't know what's going on and they want to chuck their propaganda and their agenda on climate change they have no idea what's going on down here i actually have one of her tweets sitting right here from january 6th she says australia's bushfire emergency spurred by climate change has killed 24 people, destroyed thousands of homes, and led to the loss of an estimated half a billion animals. Here are ways you can help. Spurred yeah, by she, climate change. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, add yeah, to that. She, yeah, she can go fuck herself. Yeah. Right. How many people were it's, arrested it's, now for, for arson? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's over 183. Wow. Um, but like, so like it's... I'd, uh, like to I, know, I, I'd like to know about these people who were participating in... in creating these fires yeah because that's too many people they had to have been being organized or paid by someone to do this it's not like a group of four kids got together and decided to do something stupid uh some of yeah, them might be the, accidental yeah. or I'll, I'll 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 go into it a little bit um but to, so there is a lot of uh theories I don't like to use the word conspiracy theories, but there is a lot of theories going around with, you know, they've been starting for lion grabs to bring in, you know, the new high speed rail. Look, I can't comment on it because it would just only be speculation at this point. I can only give you facts of what I know um, and what I've heard from other CFA members and stuff like that because I'm a CFA member. That's and you've driven cool. around some of this. I mean, you've sent us yeah. a video of the smoke and stuff. So, I mean, you're you're yeah. right there in the thick of this. First yeah. of all, um, speaker, explain what a CFA member is because we oh, in the so, States don't know. Uh, so local volunteers, firefighters pretty much, right? They get called in for okay. certain things. We clear out the bush and yeah, help volunteer, help rescue people. It's all on that, on the basis on that basis. That, so that, you're a CFA a member? Yeah, I'm a volunteer, right? Okay. Um, I, I'm, a lot of us around here are volunteers of local fire departments and stuff like that, especially in our area, because we are very communal, um, because this happens every year. This is not something that's uh, new to us. So, is it worse this year or is it about the same? It seems like it's gotten a lot more it, 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 eyes it, 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 on it around the it, world. It, it has gotten worse um, over the last couple of days. But these fires are not in our top three fires that we've had. Like, And explain to people what the real reason is with, with the brush clearing and all that as to I, how we're getting going. I think that's the important part here. Yeah, so like what, what we 
have been doing for years, and, and not just us. This is prior before we even came to this country. Ad, Aboriginals were backburning since bloody beginning of time, right? Mm-hmm. They were backburning to find tracks to help get animals, to help regrowth, stuff like that. So you know, there's been a lot of greenie policies that have come in now that are stopping us from backburning and stopping us from clearing our properties, the undergrowth and all that, right? So which helps catch these fires. Um, so because it because of that, it it that they. Um, spur fires in quickly, they, they go quickly more through. You can't clean up your property so it doesn't catch, mm-hmm. right? Um, and th- these are all greeny leftist bullshit um, policies that have been set in. Um, and also, look, the, like it's not taking sides of the government and stuff like that, but the government has a lot to answer for at the moment when it comes to preparation and stuff like that as well military stuff like that. So it doesn't matter what, what prime minister we have in every every year in fire seasons that they cop it. And so they should it in, in some degree. Um is it kind of similar to what was going on in California, how they had all this brush and they weren't raking it back, they weren't cleaning it, they weren't doing the controlled burns and stuff. Is that what you're that's what you're yeah. talking about, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Right, pretty much. But like this, this fire at the moment, like so, it could well be. And what people don't know, it's it's been burning since August, August September. Right. Wow. This is this is not just like it hasn't been burning over the last week or so. Right. Where, when it's got international attention, it's it's been burning for a few months now. Right. Through fire season, kind of August to February, even longer sometimes. That's that's our fire season. That's as our fire season every year. This is not. A one-time thing. And, and like I said, these fires at the moment are not in our top three fires. We've had our Ash Wednesday fires. Um, we had Black Friday fires. Our worst one was 10 years ago, which is Black Saturday, which killed 173 people. Wow. Completely moved through Victoria. So this is, it's, this is not anything new. So like we're people looking at the world like it's some sort of, you know, climate disaster. It's been happening for hundreds of years. And, and, and that's why I said we're very communal around here and a lot of us are very volunteers in these certain fire departments, what? volunteers with animals and stuff like that as well. But at what well, point okay. did they start putting, like when you were saying the lefties and the greenies and everything, mm. putting, uh, putting well, laws in place? No, last couple of years. Okay. Last few years when the Greenies have started getting getting some power. Yeah, it's it's just it's pissing me off to see these American people commenting on climate change and stuff like that because a lot of it is arson, a lot of it is thunder strikes and stuff like that through the bush, through the scrubs. It, it it's got absolutely nothing to do with climate change. Trees do not spontaneously combust. We know this, right? This, this shouldn't be something that you have to explain to people. <laughs> right. And the right? problem the problem actually seems to be exacerbated by the fact that they've put in laws that don't allow you to clear the brush all the dead brush away so that the fires don't spread it's made it 10 times worse mm. um so so with with some of these arson arrests that you were talking about i'll, I'll just go through a few because i do have a few here so Queen, all- i just i just want to interject one thing i mean just think about this from you know a sick very sick and strategic standpoint what would be the reason what is the reason they're giving as to why they don't want the brush cleared or doing the controlled burns like i'm i i couldn't tell you 100 percent on the policy because they don't have a reason no, there's no, the only reason is to set the stage for climate change you know because they already know these fires are coming like you said they've been happening for a couple hundred years so they know the fires are coming and they know if they leave this it's going to get worse so they're it's like they're intentionally setting it up for disaster seems like that was the case in California. Like they intentionally yeah. set it up. They used people, environmentalist type people as a front, but it seemed more of like they had nefarious purposes for it. So they could always use a fire to get federal funding, whatever, whatever their reasons were. 
you know, right. no. And then they're putting people's people's lives in danger. Animals already half a billion animals have died from this. It's disgusting. Yeah. So half a billion animals. Um, 25 people have died so far. Probably more now, but the stats from a couple of days ago were 6.5 million hectares. I don't know what that is, what you guys use, but we use hectares when it starts going into those sort of numbers. But look, let's go through some of these arsonists because like, like you were saying before, there is a lot of children. So in, in August on the 24th, uh, three teenage girls were arrested for starting 13 grass fires from the ages of 12, 13 and 14. In September 10th, a 12-year-old was arrested in Queensland. On November 13, uh, 12 bushfires were deliberately lit by another 15-year-old. A 16-year-old boy was arrested in November. Uh, so a lot of these are young kids. You know, um, we all know fire or starting fires or being uh, arsonist is associated with uh, psychopathy. So with also being a psychopath or a sociopath, which lends into killing animals when it comes to sociopaths. Mm -hmm. uh, for them, kills a few birds with one stone, I guess which is absolutely disgusting, but that's... I'm, I'm, I'm curious in the last several years if you're aware of them ever bringing in, you know, arsonists for the fires in the past, or is this new? Oh, this is not new. So okay. I'll, I'll, it, there's always arson related to fire season, and you'll be surprised at some of the people that turn out to be arsonists. Well, no, but what I mean is there's so many. They've, like you said, it's already over like 183 or something, and I'm wondering if in the past, what that compares to in the past. Don't, I don't have the figures in front of me, but it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's exactly the same. Really? I, I, around the same numbers, yeah. Wow, okay. Okay. Uh, because we, well, we know Black Saturday, there was a lot of arsonists going on on Black Saturday, cleaned out Victoria. And a, a, a lot of these arsonists as well, so not to mention, I, I think there's been 127 kids that have been arrested. Kids you can relate to from, say, 11 years old to 18. So it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of those you know, 16, 17, 18-year-olds are climate change junkies and are trying to push that. Uh, but I, I, the ones that will really surprise you is the arsonists that know what they're doing, and they're the ones that start off, the worst fires and a lot of these are it's sickening to say but a lot of these are firefighters so at, on black saturday we had a firefighter that lit an arson deliberately in victoria and then went out to fight it what oh. the heck that makes no sense yeah <laughs> i know right i was trying to look up last year and instead the very first thing i get is snopes people arrested for deliberately starting australia bushfires and they talk about nearly 200 australians were arrested in late 2019 and early 2020 for deliberately setting bushfires claimed by multiple sources and Snopes is saying it's false. <laughs> yeah, of course they are. Oh my God. <clears throat> Can someone please remove Snopes? They're always the exact opposite constantly. At, at this point in time, the B Babylon Bee's probably got more credibility than Snopes. Yeah. They're, they're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, so a lot of these arsonists are either volunteers, a lot of them are police officers be surprised they, they, they come in all shapes and sizes mm. but yeah it, it, just, it just pisses me off at the moment like all these people trying to put it on climate change and all that right those of us who are in the middle of it we know exactly what's going on in our backyard well it's just like gun control they pull that crap all the time when there's shootings you know yeah so yeah it, it, it's it's bad here at the moment look we've had worse but this this could potentially become one of the biggest ones because uh, like i said it's still roaring through new south wales the weather has helped a lot it's calmed it down a lot the smoke in my area has kind of dissipated a little bit well, that's good yeah, yeah so that's good I'm, I'm back at home so the last couple of days but yeah yeah the, it's the, been kind of touch and go in your area for a little bit yeah 
But um, yeah, so the good the good thing about Aussies uh, and the good thing about us is, like I said, we are very communal. We know we we know these fires are going to happen every year, and we just do our best to try to prevent them. And like I said, with policies and stuff coming in, it's becoming harder and harder to protect our homes. And people who are using this as once again p- political stunts, and that shits us more than anything else. And and also on that note, Golden Globes they were using this, and I was seeing reports how like playing off Hollywood as victims, you know, what was them? Because Ricky hammered them so hard and they were already down because of impeachment, which they're screaming to do. And the fires in Australia and, and uh, the what, what was taking place in Iran as though, ah, it was just, you know, putting a damper on their Golden Globe Awards. And, yeah, I know, right? And then they stand up there and uh, about the fires. And I just stop and think, you know, these people are all rich. They've all got their own private jets. Are they flying out there to help? Are they sending money to help? Are they, you know, do they know other pilots out there, people that can help to put out the fires? Are they, are they doing anything or are they just, oh, we feel terrible because they have the means to actually do something. Do any people come in from like outside of Australia to come in and try to help with any of that or? Uh, uh, sometimes uh, some countries send <clears throat> either firefighters or experienced firefighters to come help out firefighters down here that's kind of the best things they can do but like, yeah. I, I do have to mention this on twitter the other day there was this lady called the naked philanthropist i think it was and she said she'd send nude photos to everyone that donates ten dollars to <laughs> any bushfire fund, right I, I, I don't care about your moral stance she's raised over a million dollars so far so. shut up yeah, yeah i saw I, it was at like seven hundred thousand when i checked last time oh my yeah. god right. And like, I, I don't care your moral stand. That's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I mean, she's doing more to help us than say half the people that want to preach, right? So, so, wow. so, so you can you, you can preach your shit, whatever. But at right. the end of the day, that woman's helped us like a hell of a lot. Uh, you can't do anything but thank her, right? Yeah. Because she's doing more than a lot of these celebrities and shit are doing. Yeah, I definitely want to thank her for that. Well, it looks like um, Australia is getting some of the U.S.'s firefighters. Are they? Uh, yeah, we got we sent some some guys over there to help you guys out yeah yeah you you sent like experienced veteran firefighters to come help our boys down here nice nice so so that's good thanks (laughs) (laughs) like i said i'm i'm a volunteer so i like i don't really directly go i'm not a firefighter but like the the the, the firefighters that actually go in those guys are unbelievable man i know a lot of them those guys have balls on you like no some of that footage you sent us was crazy the heat the heat intensity i just can't even imagine and and look a lot of them don't make it out no that's the sad part um, yeah but they're just you you won't find people who want to do more to help other people than those yeah. lads like, so, so thank you firefighters yes yes yeah, we yeah, appreciate you let's hope it comes to an end soon and we're glad to hear that you're okay speaker your family's okay yeah everyone's good good um, had a few friends down the area and stuff that we had to kind of evacuate out. They're still kind of in limbo, mm. but they're like that. Well, that well, they're in limbo when it comes to their houses and stuff. So, oh boy, you know, you just gotta kind of get as much of their things out as possible, and you know, they go back. But we'll, we'll see what happens. It's just that limbo phase for a lot of areas. Yeah. Well, keep us posted. We'll do. Definitely. But going back <laughs> to the Golden Globes. I think everyone watched Ricky's monologue. That was just absolutely, I, I think I watched it half a dozen times. I'm like my dad's like, I had to pull it up on the internet and watch it again because they bleeped so much of it. I said, well, I think it was probably still bleeped on the internet. But it was, there were so many, so many points he hammered on. Like everything, when he threw two popes in there, oh my God, I was cracking up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I know. 
It was oh my brilliant. god, it falls on him. And then he instantly gets 300,000 new followers on Twitter. And yeah. like his monologue alone, when you go into, um, I went into the NBC site like a couple days later and it had, oh, I don't remember now. It was millions and millions and millions. The bottom line is like his monologue alone got more views than the entire Golden Globe show. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Oh, it's no, fashion. it's not crazy. It's actually, it makes total it's sense. Very telling. <laughs> very very telling and, and you can see you you can you can really pick out the the sleazy bastards in the crowds the ones that are not laughing and not clapping and they're just like this bastard man is actually calling us out i know the, <laughs> the, the cameos the faces of like tom hanks in oh, particular. I know. <laughs> and then the oh. left is now the left is calling him a right winger right wing <laughs> like Welcome to the Twilight Zone, buddy. Oh, no, You're no, not no. in the club. You are a right winger. Look, look, I was, I was never a big Ricky Gervais fan. Like I wasn't. I, I just, I didn't really like his comedy or anything like that. But he, he's, he's completely won me over with that speech because that takes a lot of balls. Oh, and to his do delivery it. was great. Oh yeah, <laughs> to, to, to do in the den of vipers is actually right? brilliant. Right, but it's because... the last time. Who cares? Oh, it's the oh, last yeah. time. <laughs> oh, oh, he knew it. He knew it. But like, but, but but those people know they're snakes. They know they're snakes. They know exactly what he was saying was true, right? Mm-hmm. And you can see it on their faces, right? And they just, they didn't like to face the reality of it. Oh, right. just calling them out on being fake woke, on the pedophilia problem, on their moral superiority facade. Mm-hmm. Where they and how they don't know anything about the real world. And <laughs> and then, and then bringing up, I mean, that was the best when he brings up Epstein and then like he kind of mumbles, oh, no, you just went on your own plane there. And then, <laughs> and then Weinstein, and he's like, he's like, what? You guys did it. You guys did it, not me. And interestingly, within 24 hours of that, like as the Golden Globes was airing is when 60 Minutes came out with the um, all the photos they released of his autopsy, you know, from the death and of which we can get into in a little bit, but I did a whole report on that and we'll talk about that. But then also Weinstein on the eve of his New York trial, um, which I believe was uh, also on sexual assault charges. He was charged with four more rapes in Los Angeles. So, and that happened the morning after the golden globes. So I thought it was kind of, um, kind of comical that he points to Epstein. Well, you guys are all friends with them. And uh, Weinstein, how nobody said anything. Timing was brilliant. It was just <laughs> masterful. I mean, he just roasted them. And look, I, I don't care because I, I know he leans more left from what I've read anyway. I don't care. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't care what, what, what I'm, I'm like, people have reasons. Like, I'm, there, there is good people on the left. They're either misinformed, they don't know what they're doing, or they're stuck in some sort of a bubble. It doesn't necessarily make them bad people, right? And, and there is some people in that sort of um, quagmire of things that are trying to figure things out and whatever. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's got a good wake up call now that he's being, being slandered by the media and stuff for telling jokes and telling jokes which are factually true. That's what makes oh, I funny. think he finds it funny because he keeps retweeting people that are harassing him too. Yeah, oh, he doesn't he, he, seem phased at all. Mm-mm. He doesn't give a shit. If he gave a shit, he wouldn't have done that. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And did you guys also see the um, the Covington kid? I'm trying to think of his uh, Nick Sandman. How he won the uh, he had filed the lawsuit against. Yeah. You guys remember all that, right? From. Yep. 
God, was it a year ago now, two years ago? I don't even know when he was being taunted and it was a whole, yeah. whole staging. We all knew that at the time. So then he sued uh, CNN and they didn't say the settlement amount. There's like rumors that it's in the tw like 20 millions, but those are rumors. I don't know that we have facts on that yet, but he also is, uh, so they're going to settle. CNN's going to settle, but he's also filed lawsuits against the Washington Post, NBC Universal, each for 250 million or more, and is reportedly planning to sue uh, Gannett, owners of the Inquirer. So wow, that rolls up, but good for him, man. You know? Yeah, yeah. Really, really good friend. It's like, it's, it's good like, job, Barnes. That, that kid, yeah. That's going to hang around with that kid for the rest of his life. So he deserves a, a, like a straight payout. He deserves the money that he's got. And hopefully it does set him up for the rest of his life. A kid doesn't deserve that, man. And Especially. the media deserves to be held accountable for 100%. bad reporting. Right. I mean, that just set a really solid precedent. So they better knock this crap off because people are just going to start, you know, that just opens, opens the floodgates. Mm. It, 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 and you need those people to open the floodgates, just like you need Ricky yeah. Gervais, people that are in that Hollywood sphere to actually start talking some truth. And, and, and those are the things that will carry on and really make a difference because now other comedians, like, well, it kind of started with Chappelle when he started calling out all of that shit as well. Like I said, when Ch Chappelle did it, I told you guys, I said it will open a floodgates and more people will get more courage to do it. That's mm. true. You did. Mm. Yeah. Hey, I have a question for you guys. I haven't had time to look into this and I'm going to have to reach out to Gemma and see what she knows. Uh, Gemma Doherty, she's fantastic journalist out of Ireland. So I'm sure everyone saw that Hillary was just um, named, made the 11th and first female chancellor at the Queen's University, Belfast. And she accepted the position. And here's what I want to know. I haven't had time to look into this, but, but here's what it says. She will have three main roles. So it's, this, it's a five-year period that started January 1st. And her three main roles are a ceremonial one, which involves presiding at degree congregations, an ambassadorial role where the office holder helps to open doors for the university as it seeks to fulfill its mission. Oh, we know no one can open doors like Hillary Clant can. <laughs> and then as an advisor available to the vice chancellor and senior management as a sounding board and to provide counsel and guidance. So here's what I want to know. Is she moving to Ireland? Do you have to like live there to fulfill this position? Or can she do some of this from afar? I mean, obviously in some of those cases she would need to be there, but because she was looking at, if you guys remember, <clears throat> I think it was, I think it was last year, there was this huge White House on a hill in Ireland. I can't even remember exactly where, but her and Bill were looking into, uh, were looking at buying it. And so <laughs> Gemma, God bless her, actually went out there and she brought her drone. And she got camera footage for all of this, of this property. And she was concerned about, you know, God help us if they move in here. They've already done enough damage to Ireland. So have you guys looked into this at all? Do you know if that means they're moving there or if that's like out there part-time? And No idea, but I would imagine just part-time. That's my guess. It does seem like such a BS job, though. I mean, it's just yeah. merely a title, and I'm sure that, you know, there's give and take there. I'm sure she's got titles like that all around the globe with certain bloody things. Hmm. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. It's like a period of it's a five-year commitment, and so obviously much of that could be done from afar, but she'd have to be over there some of the time for some of this stuff. 
Mm. Um, but, I, but which is just going to take me back to what I've been saying all along. She's not running for president. <laughs> I'm the only one who said that, but I'm found. Everyone else, I'm like, I, wow. I'll probably end up being wrong here because everyone else is saying they think she's going to run for president. And I've been saying all along, nope, nope, I'm not feeling it. Energetically, look, I'm not feeling it. Look, a, lo a lot of people say a lot of things. A lot of people think Michelle Obama's running for president. Yeah, that's Once again, but that, it's, it's just, it's all, uh, it's probably a good segue. Th th these are all theories and they're not based in facts and there's no evidence to support it. Mm -hmm. right? It's, mm -hmm. um, and that shit does my head in because when, when, when you start taking theory or ideas uh, as solid and that's the only thing you're going for, it doesn't matter who said it or where you've got it from. If there's nothing to back it, then you will hold on to that theory. Mm -hmm. And nothing else will sway you away from it. And that's a huge problem because then you can't discern other information, other things coming in and also factual information coming in. You will disregard that if you hold to one idea. Right. right? And, and, and so what's happening is, and it's driving me nuts, as you know, and I see this on multiple fronts, but, but a lot of it's happening with this whole Epstein case. But on multiple fronts, here's what I see happening. You've got disinfo agents out there. And then you also have people who are just um, confused by the information and they're not quite sure how to process it. And maybe they're not great at doing research or fact checking. And so they're looking to, to what other people are saying and other people are getting caught up in these disinfo agents. And so now what happens is they're, they're like, oh, well, I, you know, there's like five options here. So I think I'm going to go with this one because these people are saying this. And, and I think I maybe trust them more. But I'm not going to bother digging into this and looking up facts or finding evidence or running through the logistics or the timeline or any of it. I'm just going to go with this. And so it's starting out as a theory. And this feels pretty good. And yeah, yeah, now we're all on the same team and we're believing the same thing and we're pumping this out. And now all of a sudden it's being pumped out as fact. It is a fact that Jeffrey Epstein is in witness protection. We have him. Okay, walk me through that. Someone explain that. <laughs> Show me how. He got out of the prison. Show me how he escaped. Because okay. the last escape was in 1990, and there's only been a couple, and they're not very successful. So you explain to me how he got out, okay? okay. Now you explain to me how he ended up over at the hospital. Okay, keep telling me these aren't photos of him. Now you explain to me the autopsy report, the photos we've seen of him, which, okay, geez, maybe it's Anthony Bourdain's body. Sorry, I don't mean to mock people, but, but my head's spinning on all this. It's, it's gotten so out of control, it's not even funny. So now you explain to me how the paramedics, the officers, the people at MCC, the people at the hospital, the cameras in front of the hospital, because I have mapped it all. There are cameras everywhere. And the people inside the hospital and the nurses and the FBI in the room there. You explained to me, the medical examiner at the morgue, all of it. You explained to me how that was all faked, okay? Because what we've seen in our lifetime here is a million false flags. I'm, believe me, anyone who's read my reports knows there are conspiracies, there are agendas, and there are a lot of facts and a lot of evidence to back all of that. And we've seen the legitimate false flags where they say people are dead. Do they ever post post-mortem pictures with evidence bags and tags on them? I mean, several, several with lividity, lividity in the body, okay, that are not photoshopped. They've never done that in the true false flag events, okay? So now you explain to me how all those people are in on this and tell me this is some Hollywood makeup job. Now, remember, if you're going to suggest all this, that means William Barr is in on it. So you explain that theory to me as well. 
Now, whether you think it's some black ops mission or some witness protection and he's off somewhere singing like canary in some safe house, explain to me, why is it better that he's in a safe house than prison? Walk me through that. Give me some evidence of this. Tell me who's involved in this. Now tell me what makes more sense, the evidence before your face, because sometimes it is exactly as it seems, that he is better off dead to them than alive. Because guess what? Jeffrey Epstein is expendable. He has handlers. He is not their top dog. They're not going to rescue his ass and risk all of that and put him away to some island where he's sipping cocktails. Okay, whether you think this is black hat or white hat, this is not plausible in any way or fashion. So if you think it is, walk through the theories, the logistics, the timelines, all the players involved. Explain it all. And then no one does that. Evidence. No one yeah. does that. They purport it all as fact. That's the issue. That that's the issue. Because see, I think that you know, it, it's. I don't care if you have theories. That's great. I mean, theories come up, with, great. This, come right. up with as many theories as you want. Yep. And then when the evidence comes in, compare that to your theories. But what what's what we're talking about is that people are now presenting their theories as fact and yep. spreading it as fact. And, and everyone who is remotely confused now buys into it because they think that maybe, you know, you had some good insight on something else. So now they're buying into it. And this is the brilliance, the sheer brilliance of disinfo agents. They are very good at what they do, at manipulating minds, at seeding ideas, you know, Okay, I hope I'm not hurting anyone's feelings here. I just, this is important stuff, information that needs to be talked about. Okay, the news. You're taking a photo. Imagine, imagine you are working the crime scene, okay? You're in forensics, and you're going to take a photo of this news, which the whole news in itself is a freaking joke, and we'll get into that. But you're taking a photo of this. It's long, right? It's not going to fit in the photo. So you have to, like, lay the thing out in a man and manage it in a way that you can get it into the photo next to the evidence bag and the chain of custody. So now all of a sudden, oh my gosh, it's shaped like a C and a P. Well, it wouldn't have fit in the photo if they hadn't brought it in. Sure. I suppose they could have laid it out a little differently, but they were trying to open the noose portion of it to show that it is in fact a noose and it has like a knot there, even though I don't buy for one minute that this was a noose or that he strangled hung himself. Uh, but the point is, even if, okay, so people are suggesting this was intentionally laid out in this manner to form the letter CP, okay? Who's CP? Nobody knows, okay? People guess. They think, oh, it stands for child porn, okay? What would be the purpose of that? Why? Why would a white hat want you to see that? Why would a black hat want you to see that? Walk me through that. Because when you get to the end of that road, it's going to make no sense to you. It's, it's not plausible. So what does that confirm anyways? We already know right. he was, we, we already know he was a pedophile and that he was taking exactly. pictures of, of, of children. Exactly. <laughs> it but doesn't so confirm any new information. It's not like a revelation <laughs> in any way. Corey's very passionate about this. <laughs> you know why? Because I worked so hard at trying to, to teach people their manipulation tactics and cognitive dissonance and how to avoid it and what to observe and what to look out for and how to fact check yourself. I got a million resources on my site. Don't believe everything you hear. There are way more disinfo agents out there than people realize. And, and, and if you start spouting off theories as facts or just automatically buying into something that has not a shred of evidence, 
then you're playing right into their hands and you're helping to propagate and create more cognitive dissonance, which is doing all of the humanity, you know, harm. So yeah, I'm passionate about it. It's, it's, it's bothering me that people are being manipulated and taken advantage of and people need to start, you know, paying attention to that and, and, uh, doing some of their own fact checking and processing through things. Well, like Corey said, we're not here to hurt anyone's feelings or anything, but right. how, how we feel about it and how uh, it, it does, it does shit us and it does piss us off considering how much we try to link facts to whatever we do. And it's almost like sensationalism takes control of people so much that yes. they like- avoid facts and it's, and it, it does we're, piss you off, man. Well, it makes us no no better than the MSM if all we're doing is spreading garbage. We're supposed to be truth seekers, but we have. Right. This isn't this isn't some fantastical movie where there's this this insane espionage playing out. Look, I know we've been lied to, deceived, betrayed, manipulated. There's been some crazy conspiracies taking place. Um, it's shocking. And so people don't want to trust anything and they don't want to believe anything. And so they want to cling to something and, and they just, they just decide. But the problem is like you were saying earlier, speaker, once you, they decide, okay, this is what I'm going to believe in. Then they close themselves off to look at anything else because now they are so, so sold on that. Keep your minds open to options to, you know, look at the evidence, look at the facts. And, don't and, close it off. And, and look, I'm a hundred percent, open to be swayed. Do, do you know what I mean? Like provide me evidence that will convince me otherwise. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm completely open to any theories or any speculation that people have, but provide me something to back that, not just because this person said it or that person said it. <clears throat> and or, that's been happening you know. a lot lately. There are certain accounts out there like on Twitter that they, they don't ever provide evidence. They just position themselves as an authority somehow, whether it's they have some insider information or whatever the case may be. And they can say the most ridiculous things without any evidence and persuade a lot of people like thousands and thousands of followers and then what happens is they get into a social group so they've got a whole group of people on twitter that they tend to follow or respect or appreciate their insights and since a few of them bought into it the others are buying into it well now they don't want to change their theory and say well no guys i don't really believe this anymore i think this is the case it's like wow everyone just needs to be their own person twitter's not real life you know the facts and the truth are what is important here. So, and and look, I've I've spread shit that wasn't right before. I've done that plethora of times. I've been wrong so many times, right? But as as I've grown, I've learned to be very careful with what I put out. I've learned to be very careful with what I spread, and that just comes from personal learning. But shit, man, we ain't perfect. We've made mistakes. We made some mistakes. Oh yeah. oh yeah, I've tweeted. Right. I've, I've like oh, God. one of the things I always do is I I'm, the first thing I do when I open an article is look at the date. And like I remember just God, it was probably like a month ago. I was scrolling through, <laughs> so it was like some big pedophile ring that was taken down. And I'm like, oh my God! And I was in the middle of doing other things, so I had like multiple tabs open, and I'm reading through it, totally bypass the date, and then post it, and realized, oh my God, this happened two years ago. <laughs> I it, said that this week. Answer that, that like yesterday. <laughs> what? Yeah. I did that 
Uh, yeah, just this okay. week. I had to delete something. <laughs> I deleted it like three minutes later. No biggie. Yeah, you can delete it or correct it immediately on link where it's part of that thread. Not separately because then it's going to be continued, you know. But I mean, in, the, in a case like that, though, when we're talking something happened two years ago, obviously the information is still important and relevant. It's just important to note the dates of when things are happening. People kind of have an idea of timeline in their minds, but so yeah, it happens. It happens. But these nooses. So I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at my report or not. I snagged every photo I could find, screenshot some from the um, little, I don't know, it was maybe a six minute, 60 minute video with Dr. Is it, how do you pronounce it? Is it Baden or Baden? Baden. What is it? Baden. Okay. So we have two nooses and the one in the photo here in my report is allegedly the one he used to hang himself which is absurd like something I didn't see anyone else talking about the first thing I noticed was okay first off to do that level of damage we're talking like broken um or fractured uh hyoid and uh two spots of cartilage in the thyroid area and I mean if you see the photo these are very graphic photos by the way if you do go into my report. So it's some of it's a little hard to stomach, at least it was for me. So the noose would have to be so tied around his neck to cause that level of damage. So did they just take an attempt to stretch a bed linen sheet to get it over his head? Like how did they get that off his head or off his neck without cutting it is how I'd like to know, first off. Second off, there doesn't appear to be a shred of blood on this thing. And not just from the photo, but Dr. Baden himself, and, and uh, I can't think of her name right now, but the woman from 60 Minutes were even questioning it. So also, allegedly, it was reported that one of the guards said he had cut him down. Well, there's no cut marks in this. The first thing that I found curious is you look at the room, and immediately it looks like this was set up and staged to create so much confusion to cover their tracks of what really happened. I mean, you've got... Yeah, it's some, a mess. Yeah, you got some bed sheets torn off that are wrapped around the ladder of the bunk. You got one tied off to the other end of the bunk. You have this other alleged noose, which isn't even really a noose. It's like a knot with three strands of fabric coming off of it, laying in the corner on the floor. And then you have this little shred of a piece of fabric tied to the grate over the window. And in any case, let's just say hypothetically, okay, he hung himself. Well, it's 35 inches off the ground to where the one part was, was hanging off the ladder of the bunk. Epstein's almost six feet tall, which means he would have been on his knees. I'm sorry. Was he thrashing his head forward, forward, forward until he literally fractured the front of his neck to take himself yeah. out? That doesn't that make sense. No sense. When I saw the wound, I'm like, no, that looks like more like a cord or a wire did that. Yeah, I don't think a wire, I think a wire would have been more of a thinner, deeper slice, but it looks definitely more like a cord, and it also looks like it was shifted. Like, you can see the band, almost like this deep burn mark, you know? Like, if you ever got, like, a rug burn or something, that's kind of what it reminds me of. And so it's like this deep band across his neck, but then on the one side, there's this shifted position, almost like they had to reposition themselves. And if you look on the back of the neck, I say they... <laughs> I won't get into that out there. I didn't put that part in my report. <clears throat> but on the back of his neck, there's also uh, a red mark there, which to me makes perfect sense because it aligns with where someone's hands would be on the back of his neck, applying pressure to choking him. There's a sleep apnea machine in there with cords on. In fact, I think there's two. Oh, okay. Now, the one 
there's the black one towards the front and there was like a mattress on the floor that had been taken off the top bunk and he was using the top bunk to store all his you know meds and stuff now i don't know if there's enough pills in those bottles which it appeared by the autopsy had a heart condition i don't know that there were enough pills there to um take himself out that way but if there were wouldn't that be your first choice so you've got a sleep apnea machine on the floor with a cord and a tube and then over by the bunk beds there's another machine but it's it's kind of fuzzy and a little far away in the photo but it has a gray tube coming off of it and it looks like it probably is a second sleep apnea machine so those definitely it's more in alignment with that and even you know Baden who um I'm trying to think of the stats I'm going to scroll through my report here while I'm talking to you guys he had been okay first off he was a former New York medical examiner himself and so he's observed over I think it's like over a thousand deaths and so he said going over yeah going over a thousand jail hangings suicides in the New York City state prisons over the past 40 to 50 years no one had three fractures isn't that interesting Mm. so I mean there's so much and this is what we're talking about with yeah so you look at these photos I got a question for you so how disheveled that room looked did they talk about if that was like pre-death or post-death like did did he make that huge mess did he just go like in this rant and just rip everything you know off the bed and throw it around the room or was this a result of the people a a struggle was there a struggle or was was this a result of the people who came to get him down from the news and do medical attention on him? They don't state, so we can only speculate. And my speculation is these are a bunch of orange sheets. I mean, they're referring to them as bed linens. Um, they look pretty thin. They look like sheets. And there were, I don't know, roughly maybe, I'd have to go back and look at the pictures. There were maybe like four or something, five uh, there's, there's several. Now, I don't know if those were all folded up at some point and they get extras in case they get cold. I don't know how that part works. As far as the mattress on the floor, you, it's seen, like they took a photo. I believe some of this stuff was moved around as they were taking some photos because if you look at the mattress in one, they like took it off the floor and folded it and put it on the bottom bunk to then take another picture. So I think some of it was you know, obviously after they got removed him from the cell and they were trying to take some pictures. But when I first looked at this, I was like, oh my God, this was totally created to create a state of confusion when they come in and they look at this. And my question is, why the hell weren't the sleep apnea machines bagged for evidence? Right. What it looked like to me was a a sign of a struggle. Like you had just alluded to speakers that that's what it looked like to me. Like there was some major chaos that went down prior Mm -hmm. to him dying. So here's the key thing that they're leaving out. So, you know, there's still an investigation going on to the, the two guards were charged for, you know, falsifying records um, and not checking on him because the last time he was checked on was 10 o'clock at night. And then they found him at like 6.33 a.m. So there is this investigation taking place still, which Barr has informed us of, so we know this. And they've released several of these photos to 60 Minutes, but they will not tell them, or either to 60 Minutes, or they released it to Dr. Baden, who was hired by Epstein, Epstein's brother, Mark, because he doesn't believe he committed, his brother committed suicide. So 
I don't know if these photos were released directly to 60 Minutes or to Baden, and then he went on 60 Minutes. I'm not sure how that part worked out. Regardless, they released all of these, but they won't tell him what position they found Epstein in. Other than to say that a guard cut him down, and yet the noose they put into evidence does not appear to have any cut marks. So it's a little bit of a brain scramble, but it's you know pretty obvious to us when you look at the marks and how low it is on his neck and... And the other thing is, it's like that I was pointing out in here is the, the lividity on his back from laying on the, on the gurney. Um, they, they didn't show us pictures of Epstein in the cell. I thought that the close-up of the front of his neck was possibly taken in the cell just because of what was like the gray that was under him looked very similar to the concrete there, but that may have been taken after the fact. These photos were all taken, you know, at the hospital um, where prior to the autopsy. So we've got all the tags on the different body parts and marking it. And the thing about, I'm, I'm just looking at this lividity. So when a person dies within like 20 to 30 minutes, um, lividity sets in and the blood starts, you know, pooling to areas and settling to the lowest areas. If you are on the ground or your body has contact against like a hard object, it'll stay the color of your skin and the blood will pool around that. And so the fact that they won't provide any of the photos of him in the cell, this is all afterwards, and they won't say the position he was found in, which, of course, lividity, you know, they use that to determine if a body had been moved or if, um, you know, rough time of death. Because once you hit like six to eight hours, it coagulates and, you know, it gets darker as time goes on. And then at six to eight hours, it coagulates. And at that point, it, it doesn't tend to shift around so much. So if you were to move the body in a different position, it would be very obvious. But we don't have those details. So why are they not sharing that, but they're willing to share all these other photos? I mean, that's incredibly telling right there. I think they want to show people that Epstein's dead. And I think that they don't want to show people how he died. Right. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think the one thing we can all agree on is Epstein didn't kill himself. (laughs) <laughs> that's right Epstein <laughs> was most definitely murdered and I think we can all agree on the fact that he's dead and he's not sitting on an island sipping cocktails well <laughs> some people don't some people don't some people some don't people agree do. with that that's yeah. you know their theory but mm. uh and they can have that theory that's completely fine mm. but spreading that theory as fact that's where we go go off the rails <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so hopefully we're gonna get some more, uh, more info. I don't, you know, I don't know where they're at with this whole investigation right now. Another interesting tidbit, um, since we're on the Epstein topic, is uh, JC over on Twitter. I can't, I, I don't know the actual, actual Twitter handle, but JC she goes by JC. Uh, she shared this with me the other day. Something I was not aware of um, is the mansion, the Manhattan mansion that Epstein owned in New York that he had purchased back in 1989, literally around on that same block, you go out his back door about 30 feet and there's a, um, a home there, a very large home there that is for the Holy See. So what it was, and I'll just read this little paragraph. So it's on 72nd street and it was built in 1894. And it was originally the home to Julia Murphy Grant, daughter of U.S. Senator Edward Murphy of New York, and Hugh J. Grant, the youngest man ever elected mayor of New York City. 
When Grant died in 1910, he left behind a nine million estate to his wife. Being devoutly Catholic, she used the money to establish Regis High School before her death in 1944. Then in 1975, their son Hugh Grant Jr. donated his parents' former house to the Archdiocese of New York. Since then, it's been the home of the Vatican's representative to the United Nations, and beginning with Pope John Paul II's visit to New York City in 1979, it has served as the official residence of visiting popes. So, so you literally walk out the back door, and if you look at it on a map, it's at 20 East 72nd Street. Um, I just find that absolutely fascinating. Can I Don't add you? to this? Can I? Yeah, I do too. Yeah, okay. add to this. Okay. All right, so I'm working on a theory myself. And did you know that Cornelius Vanderbilt was responsible for building a lot of the subway systems underneath New York, which are now currently abandoned? Mm. And a lot of buildings underneath are connected in that way. And I was actually not even considering this connection with the uh, Holy Sees um, mm-hmm. location and Epstein's uh, mansion. I was actually looking at some other interesting locations. I'm working on a dig right now. But when you said that, I was like, whoa, I wonder. Yeah. I- yeah. Well, and think about it. You know, if it's the Pope, probably would be something underground to go to some safe, safe space. But but in reality, all they have to do is walk out the back door 30 feet and they're in each other's places. And when they did the, I can't remember if it was from 2005, when that was, but more recently they posted video footage from inside uh, the Manhattan, Epstein's Manhattan mansion, and they were showing all the photos. And there's a photo of him and Maxwell with um, the Pope, I think it was Pope John Paul. Um, was it, no, who was it? Maybe it was, that might be right. But, but I just find this very, not a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. It's These fishy. circles are too tight for me. <laughs> but one thing that I do want to say that's important, you know, with the murder of Epstein, is it 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 did knock out the attorneys as far as getting to the bottom of some things quicker, getting into estates quicker, um, not having to you know deal with that back and forth. We also do not know. What all was already disclosed to talk about if any plea deals were in the work, if, you know, he was meeting with his attorneys the night before. So we, we just, we don't know. I personally believe they already have a ton of evidence. And though we all want justice and we want to see all these people that are connected into this trafficking ring taken down, it's important that everyone keep exposing this and putting this information out there because that in itself wakes people up, makes them more aware, says, hey, stay clear of all these people. They're very dangerous. And I think that is equally important. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Let's round this off. We've been going for a while, ladies. We have. For another hour. <laughs> <laughs> sure we could. Uh, so I ran. I ran. Oh, yay. For that discussion. Well, everybody knows the, the key points. So I'm just going to run through what's been going on with Iran. And really, then I want to just shift it to the Dems and the mainstream medias and Hollywood's reaction to all of it. Because, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody's well aware that last week Trump decided to take out Soleimani. Salami. <laughs> <laughs> and there was... 
there was good reason for that. (laughs) They tried to blame it on him distracting from the impeachment, whatever, Soleimani. And Iran have been going at it for a while now. I mean, back in May, Iran was doing attacks on oil tankers in the Gulf. And then June, shot down a U.S. drone. And then, you know, there was the drone attacks on Saudi oil installations. And they they were basically trying to attack all of the world's oil supply because they were they were upset because of the sanctions that Trump was putting on them. So they were acting out and Trump didn't act rashly. He was calm and used strategy through all of this. But, you know, they did attack a U.S. military base, which one American contractor ended up getting killed in December. And uh, then when the mainstream media was calling them protesters, which really they were Iran's proxies uh, that were pro-Hezbollah militia, were storming the embassy in Baghdad. That was just, you know, that was just finally it. And then I think the real reason why Trump decided to take out Soleimani was because they were developing plans to attack American diplomats. Uh, What we saw in Baghdad, we were probably going to see much more greater scale. He saw good intelligence that this was going to happen and saw an opportunity where he could take Soleimani out. So do you remember when when they were storming Baghdad and everybody, all the media jumped in and the Dems and, oh, this is this is going to be Trump's Benghazi. Yeah, it was and disgusting. It was disgusting. They were like Using so excited. Benghazi to make jokes about our president. It was just. I, I think one thing we can take from this, though, is how quickly they struck salami it kind of means they had eyes on him for a while they knew exactly where he was right do you know what i mean so that 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 should give you a lot of confidence in the intelligence of the military at the moment because they, they knew exactly where he was they struck him as soon as that happened right that was a straight retaliation they obviously had plenty of info on him his whereabouts what he was doing what he was planning so that that should give you a lot of confidence in you know military planning but gosh he didn't share this with congress first mm. oh, God. <laughs> Thank, thank God he didn't. Well, then Iran goes on this big saber-rattling campaign, pumping their chests out and saying, oh, we're going to attack everybody in the region. That's our allies and our interests. And Trump didn't flinch at all. You know, he remained strong through the whole thing. But then, you know, on Tuesday night, of course, Iran struck a couple bases in Iraq. But the the interesting thing is that the, the bases that they chose to strike were not the closest base or the ones with the most U.S. troops. I mean, there was a much closer base to them that was the largest consolidation of U.S. troops that definitely would have ended up having casualties. Uh, But they chose to strike these other two, which leads us to believe that really this was more about Iran saving face, that they really don't want to get into a war with Trump. They really don't want to get into a war with U.S., but they have to save face. And here's why, because they do have a lot of proxies. And I think that they knew that if they did not do something, their proxies would. And those, yeah. those, uh, the reaction by their proxies would have had casualties and gotten us into a war. So Iran knew they had to do something. They attacked these bases and they missed and no casualties whatsoever uh, for U.S. Um, of course, there was at the same time a plane that took off, um, Ukrainian plane going from Tehran to Kiev. Mm-hmm. And that looks like that was hit. Um, I don't, it, it's, 
it's still the story's still developing. We don't really know what what's ha- what happened here, but it looks mm-hmm. like well, like this this they're saying engine failure, but mm-hmm. the the Iranian aviation officials are refusing to hand over the black box. So right, right. Yeah. And so that killed 180 people. Most of them were Iranians. There were 11 Ukrainians. Most of those guys were actually part of the the plane's staff. And um, there were a lot of Canadians, but then some others from other countries. And um, still trying to find out more details on that um, as it develops. But I, I really don't know the story here. What what the real situation is behind this this plane and what what their purpose was for taking off at that time. And then, of course, also just a few hours after this this bombing, then just a few hours after that, there was an earthquake near Iran's nuclear power plant. But I don't know if that's a coincidence. It could be. There was an earthquake just a couple of uh, weeks ago in that same area around the same strength. And, you know, USGS is saying, no, this is, you know, it was natural causes that caused that, not some other seismic activity. Hmm. But it's Uh, interesting. It is interesting. Trump came out on um, Wednesday and uh, he addressed the nation. And uh, he did allude to... Uh, he didn't allude. He said straight up the attack on those bases on Tuesday were funded by the money that the previous administration had given Iran. It doesn't walk around it, does he? No, no. Uh, well, well, he definitely got a win out of all of this. That's I, I like. I, I was skeptical. I actually thought that you know. There, there would be retaliation, and I think if there was any Americans killed, there would have been. But he's he's definitely come come out on top here. Policies once again, back, like you know, not getting into another major war, which you know all previous administrations have done, but people forget that really quickly. And immediately, I start seeing people on both the left and the right. If a war ensues, this is going to be bad for Trump. He will not be reelected, and and just all this fear mongering and World War Three trending. And I mean, it got really escalated, really crazy, really fast. Oh, well, Obama was dropping drones every bloody day, but but no one complained about it then. And MSNBC, even though they were they were saying they were not confirmed reports, was saying that what was it, twenty or thirty Americans. It was being reported that 20 or 30 Americans died. And there were so many false photos going out by uh, news outlets that that was creating confusion. And I mean, I think I even retweeted a couple that were and ended up hours later being proved to be older photos or something, you know. So then I tried to tweet out the ones that were tweeting the corrections on those. And Well, well they even gave a platform to an Iranian spokeswoman that... Um that push propaganda for Iran and that once said uh, they should shoot American hostages in the head. And yeah. they, gave her a, they gave her a platform. Yeah, well, that's, that's mainstream major, isn't it, right? Mm. We, we all know what they sided with on that escalation and they're still siding with Iran. It, it, it's a complete joke, man. Well, it looks like we, we, we might, you know, have de-escalation now. It looks like Iran's ready to back down. And Trump put more economic uh, sanctions on them. So now, of course, the Dems are coming out saying that's just going to create more problems. And so it'll be interesting to see what transpires over the next week. Yeah, it will. It will. Stay tuned, everybody. So, and hey, I want to I wanna just let people know that we are now officially, our podcast is now on... Um, in addition to YouTube and BitChute, it can be found on uh, Google Podcast, 
and Spotify we added. We already had Stitcher and SoundCloud and uh, it's also on iTunes now and we're working on some others. So for those who like to listen while driving into work or on their way home from work, we're working on it. Nice. Get in there for expanding. Work. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us here on Dig It with the speaker, myself, the Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Please be sure to share this podcast, and we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Good night. Nice. We got it. Ding, ding, ding.